Ashley Brock here, and I am super excited about this next book. I have never owned it, I have never read it, so we are going to read it together. It is Diane Palmer's book, Renegade, and it actually is the next book in the series. It's book number 27. The last one we just read was book 26, and this one is book, like I said, 27, I believe. Yeah, book 27. So it actually is supposed to be the next book in the series. My husband, God bless him, he loves me, knows I've been trying to get all these books. But every time I go to get certain ones, all the ones I don't have, they usually don't have any of them on Amazon in stock. So I have to wait till they come in stock. And Valentine's Day is coming up. And so he got me this book. It's Diane Palmer's book, Renegade. Newly appointed police chief Cash Grier makes it his personal mission to keep law and order in the streets of Jacobsville. As a true renegade, Cash has learned never to take anything at face value, especially not his gorgeous, sworn enemy, Georgian Firefly, Tippy Moore. But Tippy is no longer a spoiled Hollywood scar starlet. Just an unassuming beauty who has almost as many skeletons in her closet as Cash. The hard-edged Texan finds himself powerless to resist their explosive chemistry. Just as Cash is about to believe that Tippy might be the one for him, an unfortunate betrayal leads to despair, deceit, and an unexpected danger. Now all ro roads lead to this one pivotal moment that will test the very fabric of love that had once known no bounds. And I'm very excited because I've never read this book. I've wanted to, I uh, tried, but I could only ever get the first chapter as a preview. And on all the uh, online library sites, somebody always had it checked out. I could never get it read. It was never available for Amazon Kindle. So I'm excited. Ashley Brock, reading Diane Palmer's book, Renegade, Chapter 1. It's a lazy Monday morning. Not much was going on at the Jacobsville, Texas Police Department. Three patrol officers were fixing coffee at the same refreshment table in the main lobby. A sheriff's deputy had stopped by to drop off a warrant. A local citizen was writing out a statement against a perpetrator who'd just been brought in by one of the patrol officers. The secretary, who usually sat at reception, was missing. <sighs> That's it. That's it. I don't have to work here. There are jobs going right now at a save a lot grocery store. And I am going right over to put it in my application. Head started the unfamiliar sound of the police chief's secretary yelling at the top of her lungs. There was a quick muffled reply. And then the sound of something metallic hitting the floor. Heart. A furious. Spiky haired teenage girl. And a short skirt. And deep cut blouse sprinkled with glitter came stalking down the hall. Eyes flashing fire. Long earrings jangling like alarms. Men in the uniforms moved quickly aside. She went to her desk, picked up her overstuffed purse, and started for the front door. Tall, darkly handsome man in the chief's uniform came down the hall just as she reached the door. His hair and clothes were deliberately covered with coffee grounds, pieces of discarded tape, and two sticky post-it notes. Well, tissue was stuck to the top of a big, highly polished black shoe. There was another post-it clinging to the long black ponytail at his neck. 
Was it something I said? Cashkire wondered aloud. TJ Nager, whose lipstick was black, like her fingernail polish, ground under her breath and stalked out the glass door, shooting shouting it ferociously behind her. The uniform ossifers tried violently not to laugh. Many sounded as if they just about bad coughs. The man filing out the statement almost choked with mirth. Cash glared him. Go ahead and laugh. I can get another secretary anytime I want one. Judd Dunn, his assistant chief, was lounging against the counter, his black eyes winking. That was the second one since you were appointed chief. She worked in a grocery store before she came here. Cash muttered, removing sticky <laughs> sticky things and coffee grounds from his immaculate uniform. She only got this job because her uncle, Ben Brady, he's the acting mayor, and he said I'd never get funding for those new bulletproof vests I need if she didn't get hired. He sighed angrily. He's shady, that man. He wouldn't be the acting mayor if Jack Herman hadn't had a heart attack and stepped down. I have to. I have to put up with Brady until next May when we get a special election to Herman's successor. Just listen without comment as the scrawling cash continue ranting. The city election won't come too soon to sue me, cash now. Brady's giving me fits about making drug cases and he won't listen to any ideas about improvements in our department. They say Eddie Kane's going to run for mayor against him. He was the best mayor we ever had, and I think he'll win. Judd said, more the pity. We have to wait until May to vote Brady out. Cash winced as he pulled the sticky note from his ponytail. If he suggests a new secretary to replace the last one, I'm resigning. You'll have to find somebody to replace her, and quick, before he finds out you need a candidate, Judd ventured, if you can get anybody saying to work for you. I'll put an ad in the paper, and women will trample us, applied for the opportunity just to be in the same room with me. Cash said, maybe you should just take some time off and calm down, Judge recommended. The Christmas holidays are coming up. He stared. Cashington, you could take a trip. Cash lifted an eyebrow. I took one last month with you to the premier in New York. Tippy said you could come back whenever you liked. Judge pointed out with a wicked grin. Earned to the model, turned to actress Tippy Moore. Georgia Firefly of mod modeling fame. A young brother likes you. He'd probably be home from military school on a holiday. Cash was reluctant to take the trip. The model had really gone to him. Once he realized that she wasn't the main vampy woman, he burst out. Her vulnerability appealed to him. In ways, he blatant. In, in ways, her blatant flirting hadn't. I guess I could phone and ask if she meant that. Invitation, he said. Good man, Judd said, clapping him on the shoulder. You can get on the next flight out, and I can say that your desk can be acting cheap. Cash is getting suspicious. This wouldn't have anything to do with that stupid that squad car that kept trying to talk me into. There's a city council meeting next week. No postponing for the holidays, Judd assured him. I would never try to talk the city council into a squad car you don't really want. Honest. Cash didn't trust the gleaming smile. Judd was like him. He rarely smiled unless he was up to something or in a temper. Much less I were secretary before he got back. <laughs> Judd had it not meeting Cash's eyes. Oh, that's it. Cash said once, that's it. If you got somebody in mind, you're going to stick me with some retired woman colonel from the army or another conspiracy theorist like the secretary we had when my cousin Chet Blake was chief. I don't know any out-of-work mercenaries just said innocently, or 
an ex or any ex-colonels. <laughs> so maybe one or two. If God has a cousin, no, <laughs> you haven't met her. I'm not going to meet her. I'm the chief. See this? He pointed out. Said, I fight crime. I do not fight old women. <laughs> She's not old. Exactly. Yeah, anybody for I give back, I will fire her the minute I play and lands. In fact, I won't leave town. Castro and Judge Chuck, lose yourself. He studied his clean fingernails. I hear the sister of the planning commissioner wants to crack at you. She may ask the acting mayor for a re recommendation. Cash felt haunted. Haunted. The planning commissioner, a delightful and gentle man, had a favorite sister who also had a crush on Cash. She was 36, twice divorced, wore see-through blouses, and was 100 pounds overweight. The planning commissioner do doted on her. The planning commissioner doted on her. He was also the best dentist anywhere around. Even an ex-black ops specialist like Cash couldn't handle this kind of heat in a small town. When would the colonel like to start? Cash asked through his tight lips. Judd burst out laughing. I don't know any colonels who want to work for you, but I'll keep my eyes open. He moved just in time to board around asking, Hey, I'm a police officer. If you hit me, it's a felony. It is not. Cash mother turned back towards him. In self-defense, my lawyers will be in touch with you. Judd called after him. Cash threw him an insulting gesture over his head. Well, once he was safe back in his office with the trash can refilled and repositioned and the floor swept. Thought about what Judd had said. Maybe uh, he was a little touchy lately. A few days off might make him less irritable. Judd and Christie's two babies remind him painfully of the life he lost. Besides, Tippy Moore had a nine-year-old brother named Rory who idolized Cash. It's been a long time since anyone had looked up to him. He was used to courtesy, awe, even fear, especially fear. The boy didn't have a man in his life except for his friends in military school. Why would it hurt to spend a little time with him? After all, he didn't have to tell them the story of his life. He went, thinking, thinking of only time he'd ever come clean about his past. He sat down behind his desk and pulled a small address book from his pocket. <sighs> in it was a New York telephone number. He picked up his cell phone and dialed it. It rang two times, three times, four times. He felt bitter and disappointed. He started to put the receiver down. Suddenly, a soldiery soft voice came online. This is the Moore residence. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not here. Please leave a brief message in a number. I'll get back to you. There was a beep. It's Cash Grier, he said. He started to give his number when a breathless voice came online. Cash! He laughed softly to himself. It showed that she died for the phone before he could hang up. He was flattered. Yeah, yes, it's me. Hello, Tippin. How are you, she said. Are you still in Jacobsville? Still here, except I'm chief of police now. Joe left the Texas Rangers, and he's working with me as assistant chief. <laughs> he added reluctantly, Tippy had been smitten with Judd, just as himself had once been smitten with Judd's wife, Christina Bell. So many changes, he said, and how is Christina Bell? Very happy, he replied. She and Joe had twins. <laughs> Yes, I heard from them at Thanksgiving, she pressed. A girl and a boy, right? Jared and Jasmina, he said, smiling. Twins had captured their godfather's heart the second he laid eyes on them in the hospital. Of course, Jasmina was Cash's favorite, and he made no bones about it. Jasmina's such a little doll. A head full of jet black hair, and her eyes are dark blue. A little change, of course.
How about Jared? She broke to me and said it's fascination with the little girl. Looks like his dad, he replied. Jared belongs to them, but Jasmine is mine. I told him so. Repeatedly, he said, does no good, of course. They won't give her to me. <laughs> she laughed. It was like the sound of silver bells on a summer night. Her voice was one of her greatest assets. <clears throat> How are you? Working on a new film, she told him. We've just stopped shooting so that we can all have Christmas at home. I'm glad. It's got a lot of physical stuff in it. And I'm out of shape. I'll have to work out more if I'm going to have to be an athlete. <laughs> what sort of physical stuff? He wanted to know. Tucks and rolls, bouncing off trampolines, falls from high places, martial arts, that sort of thing, she said, sounding tired. I'm bruised all over. Rory's going to pass out when he sees me. He says I've got no business doing rough stuff like this at my age. At your age, he asked, because he knew she was only 26. I'm old, she said. Didn't you know? From his perspective, I should be walking with a cane. That puts me in my place. He chuckled mentally, noting that he was 12 years her senior. Is he coming home for Christmas? Sure. He comes home every holiday. I have a nice little place here near Fifth Street in the Lower East Village. Near a bookstore and a coffee shop. It's very pleasant. We're a big city. <laughs> I like a little more room. You would, she has to say. Are you in trouble or anything? He felt on. What do you mean? What do you mean? Do you need me to do something for you? She persisted. He never had anyone offer. He didn't know how to handle such a statement. I'm fine. He bit off. Then why did you call? Uh, not because I want anything. He said more harshly than he meant to. You don't think I might have called just because I want to know how you were? Not really. She confessed I didn't make a great impression on people around Jacobsville while we were filming down there, especially on you. That was before Christina Bell got shot. He reminded her. Changed my mind in a split second. When you stripped off that expensive sweater you were wearing without a second thought and used it to put pressure on a gunshot wound. You made a lot of friends that day. Thanks, she said, sounding shy. Listen... I thought I might come up to New York for a few days before Christmas, he said. Did you mean what you said about the rain check? I could take you and Rory out on the town. He could hear the excitement in her voice. Wow, that would make Rory's day. Is he there? No, I have to take the train down to Maryland, pick him up at the academy. They won't release him unless I sign him out. We have to arrange it that way to keep my mother from taking him to extort money from me. She's down and bitter. She knows how much money I'm making and she wants some. She and her boyfriend would do anything to get her hands on money for drugs. <laughs> Suppose I pick him up and bring him to New York for you. She hesitates. You do that? Sure. I'll photocopy my ID and fax it to the school. You can call them and verify who I am. Rory will recognize me. It would be the thrill of his life, she confessed. He's talked about nothing except you since you met at the premiere of my film last month. I liked him too. He's honest. I taught him that honesty was the most important part of character, she said. I've been lied to so much in my life that I value nothing more, she added quietly. I know how you feel. Well, I plan to leave her on the 19th. Tell him how to get to the mil tell me how to get to the military academy, he added, and the address of your apartment and what time you want us there, and I'll do the rest. <laughs> Ted was highly amused to catch his animation and changed mood after the older man spoke with Tippy. You don't smile much these days, Judd said. Nice to see that you remembered how.
Tippy's brothers at military school. Cash that. I'm going to pick him up on the way and drive him there. <laughs> Will your truck make it all the way to New York? <laughs> Just kind. Recalling the big black pickup that Cash drove around town. It's a nice one, but inexpensive. And it had some wear on it. Cash looked oddly hesitant. I have a car, he said. It's garaged in Houston. I don't drive it a lot, but I maintain it. It was for emergencies. <laughs> now you got me curious, Judd said. What sort of car? It's just a car. Cash said, shrugging. Too embarrassed to tell Judd what sort of car it really was. Never talked about his finances. Nothing fancy. Listen, are you sure you can handle the work here while I'm gone? I was a Texas Ranger. Cash grinned. Yeah, but this is a hard job. He moved out of the way just in time to avoid retribution. You wait. Judd threatened with dancing. Are you the ugliest secretary east of the Brazo River? You would. Cash that. Well, at least give me somebody who isn't so skittish, would you? Why exactly did she quit? Cash that. The punk rocker was upset about not being allowed into my filing cabinet. I didn't want her to tell her about my baby python being in there temporarily, so I told her I kept top secret filing fine saucer material in there. That's when she up into the trash can over your head, Judd guessed. Cassie said, No. That was afterward. I told her the filing cabinet was locked for a purpose and that she'd better stay out of it. I went out to talk to one of the patrol officers. While I was gone, she got a nail file. Forced the lock. Mikey, the python, had squeezed out of the cage and was sitting up on top of the file folders. When she pulled out the drawer, she screamed like a banshee. When I was running back to see what was the matter, she threw a pair of handcuffs at me. She gave me a booby trap in the cabinet to upset her. That explains the scream I heard. I told you it wasn't a good idea to keep Mikey's cage in the filing cabinet. It was just for today. Bill Harris only gave me gave him to me this morning, and I didn't have time to take him home. I put him in there until I got off work, so he wouldn't frighten anybody who came into the office and saw him. I'm certainly taking him home this afternoon, he said indignantly, to make sure he doesn't get traumatized any more than he already is. <laughs> the acting mayor's niece is afraid of snakes. Imagine that. Judd Muse. It does strain the imagination. Cash had to agree. You didn't give her a reason to sue us, I hope. His friend persisted. Cash shook his head. I just mentioned that I had Mikey's dad in the other filing cabinet and asked if she'd like to meet him. That's when she quit. He smiled pleasantly. If you fire people, the city has to pay them unemployed. If they quit voluntarily, don't. So I, I, I helped her quit voluntarily. He added with a grin. If you fire people, the city has to pay them unemployment. They quit voluntarily, you don't. So I helped her quit voluntarily. He <laughs> added with a grin. You're a villain. Judd said, trying not to laugh. It's not my fault. She had a king-sized crush on me. She thought if her uncle got her this job, she could hike up her skirt and throw out her chest and seduce me. He said irritably, he frowned. Maybe I should have filed a sexual harassment suit. Oh, that would go over well with Ben Bradley. Brady, he just said, tongue in cheek. I'm tired of being chased around my desk by, secret by secretaries. They're called administrative assistants. Just said, obviously, not secretaries. Give me a break. That's what? That's why I want you to go to New York. <laughs> I've got a pet to take care of. Cash protested. You can take Mikey back over to Bill Harris before you leave town. He won't mind, he won't mind taking care of your baby while you're gone. You need a break. 
honest. <laughs> Cash died and slid his big hands in his pockets. For once, I agree with you. He has it. Your uncle calls and asks why she left. I won't say a word about the snake. I'll just tell him that you were having mental problems from being followed around by aliens all day. <laughs> Complacently, Cash gave him a dirty look and went back to work. Late the next day, Cash presented himself in the Commandant's office at the Canterbury Military Academy in Ospushel, Maryland. The name of the school was amusing to him, denoting, denoting as it did the monstrous defeat of mighty Rome at the hands of the Carnivania Guerrilla Hannibal. <laughs> the Commandant, Gart Martins, was known to him. He served with the man years before during Operation Desert Storm in Iraq. They shook hands like brothers, which they were under the skin. Few men had ever had to endure what these two had when they'd gone in behind enemy lanes any lines. March had escaped, Cash had not. Rory told me all about you. Yard said, before I realized who you were, sit down, sit down. It's good to see you again. You're in law enforcement now, I believe. Cash nodded, dropping gracefully into a chair across the desk from the uniformed man. Ununiformed man who was about his age but taller and with a receding hairline. I'm police chief of a small town in Texas. It's hard to give up a military life. Garnish told him I couldn't, so I got this appointment, which was great for me. I love helping mold the soldiers of the future. Young Rory has a lot of potential, by the way. Yeah, he's very intelligent, not rattled by boys twice his size. Even the bullies leave him alone. He chuckled, Cashman. He's not afraid to speak his mind, that's for sure. And his sister, Garrett said with a long whistle, If I were a happily married man with two delightful children, I'd be crawling on my knees after Tippy Moore. Shirley is beautiful, and she loves that kid, he volunteered. When she first brought him here, she was scared to death. There had been some brought... They were in some trouble with her mother, but she downplayed it. She showed me papers that gave her full custody of the boy, and she made sure we knew that we were never to let his mother get her hands on him, or his so-called father. Instead of the main clothes. I don't guess you know why. I might catch but but I don't share secrets. I remember. Garth replied with a grim smile. He never broke under torture. I only knew one other guy who managed that, and he was SAS, the British Special Air Services. He was in there with me. Cash told him. Little guy. He went right back to his unit after we escaped. Like nothing had ever happened. So did you. Cash didn't like talking about it. He changed up. How's Rory doing academically? Very well. Top 10% of his class, he said. He's an, he's an officer, too. He smiled. You can always tell the ones who have leadership ability. Shows up early. Indeed it does. He cocked his head. No financial problems keeping him here. He fished. <laughs> Commodore not at the moment, he said. Although Tippy's income is sporadic, you, you understand? There have been times when we've stretched due dates. <laughs> there, eh, if there are ever other times, could you let me know without telling Tippy? He slipped a business card out of his wallet and slid across the sleek wood of the desk to the Commodore. Think of me as part of Rory's family. Care was that Grier. This is a hell of an expensive place, he said. On a policeman's phone, look in the parking lot at what I'm driving. There are lots of cars out there. The other man began rising to go to You'll notice it. There was a pause and a whistle when he saw the beautiful red custom-made Jaguar. Turning, That's yours? Cash on. I paid cash for it. He added deliberately. The other man led outside. Lucky devil. I draw an SUV. He turned back on his desk. I got that special ops pays well. No, it doesn't. That's discreet. But I was having... 
recently into other work before I did special ops yet, and I don't talk about it ever. Sorry, no, I'm done. It's a long time ago, but I invested wisely, as you see. He smiled. Now, how about calling Rory and the commandant knew when an interview was over? He smiled back. Okay. Rory came into the commandant's office, breathless, flushed with excitement. Two boys had come down the long hall with him, but they stopped outside the office and stood watching from across the hall. Mr. Grier, Rory Cooney breaking into his wide smile. Gosh, it's nice of you to come pick me up. Sis and I usually take the train. We're driving. Cash yet smiling with a little reserve. I hate trains. Oh, I like them, especially the dining car. Hurry, <laughs> Plum. I'm always hungry. We'll stop and eat before we start up to New York. You promised we're ready to go? Yes, sir. I've got my kit right out here in the hall. Sis is beside herself. <laughs> he had a She's cleaned the apartment three times and polished all the furniture. She didn't even clean out the gas room. So you have the place to stay. Thanks, but I like my own space. Cash it easily. I'll book the hotel room near her apartment. The commandant chuckled when he heard that. <laughs> Cash he'd known had always been a stickler for protocol. He wouldn't spend a night in a single woman's apartment, no matter how many people thought it was acceptable. My sister said that you probably wouldn't stay in the apartment where it's fine, but she wanted you to think she's a good housekeeper. She practiced cooking beef, stroking off, too. Judd Dunn told her, you like that? It's my favorite. Yeah, she confessed and pressed. Mind you, but I'm glad you like him. Do I have to sign him out? Cash asked her. You do. Come on out, and we'll take care of the formalities. Danbury, have a good holiday, he told Rory. Cash was shocked to hear the boy's last name. As soon as the child's last name was more like Tibby's. Rory saw the surprise. Tibby's real last name is Danbury, too. Or was our grandmother's last name. Tibby used it when she started modeling. That was curious. Cash wondered why. But he wasn't going to start asking probing questions right now. He signed Rory out. Took time to shake hands with Rory's fascinated friends and escorted the boy out to his car. Rory stopped dead when he saw Cash push a button in the truck of a flashy red Jaguar popped open. That's... That's your car? Rory explained. That's my car, Cash told him smiling. He tossed the boy's bag into the boot. Close it. Climb aboard, youngster, and let's be off. Yes, sir, Rory replied, waving frankly to the two spellbound boys at the front door of the office. Their noses were actually flattened against the glass when Cash roared out of the parking lot and onto the street. End of chapter one. I have a feeling I'm not going to be able to put this book down, and I'm going to be up later than I'm supposed to be. But I hope you enjoyed the first, first chapter with me. Bye.